Dr. Nellie Glusman, pediatrician, founder of the first holistic pediatric practice in New York and New Jersey, and proud mom. Not long ago, my own daughter struggled with chronic eczema. And even as a well-trained pediatrician, I still lack the knowledge of how to use root cause healing to help my daughter reverse her chronic eczema. Fast forward through many sleepless nights of worrying, endless rounds of steroid creams and lotions, countless specialist visits, and many challenging lessons learned. And through all of that, I was able to uncover the multitude of empowering, evidence-based, and holistic root cause solutions that I have today. Solutions that change lives and give your child their childhood back. So I created the Eczema Rescue Club podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you do the same. If you're a parent who's fed up with non-stop eczema flares, or just looking for natural and permanent solutions to reverse your child's eczema so they can finally stop scratching, then you're in the right place. I'm so excited to have you all along for the journey. Let's jump right in. Hi, and welcome to the Eczema Rescue Club podcast. This is your host, Dr. Nellie Glusman, and today I have a topic for you that is one of the most controversial and misunderstood. What is the confusion all about? It's dairy. So in this episode of the Eczema Rescue Club podcast, we'll do a deep dive into how dairy can hurt or improve your child's chronic eczema and how to choose dairy to optimize health. Moms and dads, you need to know that there are two very different forms of dairy sold in your favorite stores. One version can be detrimental to your child's health and worsen eczema, and the other can truly heal. Tune in as I bust all the dairy myths to help you determine if and how to remove dairy, for how long, what to replace it with, and how to bring it back mindfully. So let's begin in the beginning. What is dairy anyway, otherwise known as milk? Dairy products are food products made from milk. The most common dairy animals are cow, buffalo, nanny goats, which are female goats, mare, which are female camels, and ewe, which are female sheep. By the way, I had to look that one up. To make it really easy, when I refer to milk or dairy during this episode, I'm referring to cow milk unless otherwise noted. Milk or dairy also contains things like natural fats in the form of glycerides, proteins, sugars, vitamins, and minerals. Seems simple enough, huh? So why is dairy the first food to be removed from most healing protocols? The short answer is because it is so inflammatory. Most protocols aimed at reversing chronic illness, like persistent or chronic eczema, start with removing dairy for at least some time. In the Eczema Rescue Protocol, it is also one of the first foundational steps to take in calming our kids' itchy skin and reducing inflammation from the inside out. Don't worry, moms and dads. This removal of dairy shouldn't really be forever. The ultimate goal is for your child to be able to enjoy all the things, in moderation, of course, as eczema fades. In my 10 years as a pediatrician who is focused on permanent eczema transformation, I can say that about 60%, yes, 60, 60% of kids see improvement in eczema just from eliminating dairy for about four weeks. Why is eliminating dairy so successful? Because eczema is caused by a combination of three main factors. The first is genetics. 
The second is immune dysregulation. And the third is skin barrier dysfunction. Now, genetics you can't control for, but what you can control for is immune dysregulation. Eczema really is an autoimmune condition that causes a significant amount of inflammation. And there is a well-documented correlation between drinking cow's milk products and elevation of antibodies like IgG levels and aggravation of eczema in children. This is one of the most effective ways to calm inflammation by just removing dairy so your child's body can start to heal from the inside out. Now, who here has been told over and over again that dairy is an excellent source of calcium, that milk does a body good, that dairy helps grow strong bones, and it's the best source of vitamin D, and that dairy provides excellent nutrition for a grown child? Is that even true? Well, the answer is partially true. And knowing only half the story can actually be detrimental to your child's health. While humans are the only species that continue to drink milk after weaning, we really have no biological requirement for dairy after early childhood. In fact, dairy was not consumed until the advent of modern agriculture. And the milk we drink today is really not what our ancestors drank at all. In fact, before the 1800s, fresh milk was mostly available to those only who lived on farms, like in close proximity to the animals producing that dairy. And everyone else consumed dairy in a cultured form, meaning clabbered milk or soured milk, something that you don't typically see nowadays. People would consume uh, dairy in the form of buttermilk, cheese, things like kefir and yogurt. This cultured or fermented milk was not only a way to preserve it naturally, but it was so much easier to digest, and it's one of the most potent forms of probiotics, even today. Most cultures around the globe don't consume as much dairy as kids and adults do in the U.S., so why all this confusion? Why is it not a standardized amount of dairy that is recommended to everyone in the world? Well, we have to understand what cow's milk is and where it's coming from. Cow's milk from conventionally and industrially raised cattle contain so many different kinds of hormones, allergenic proteins, the things that cause allergies in kids, antibiotics, chemicals, inflammatory compounds, and growth factors, some of which are even known to promote cancer. Why is there such a big confusion between what conventional dairy is, otherwise known as industrially raised cattle dairy, also known as quote-unquote big dairy, there's a lot of confusion. And there's just a very big difference between these conventionally produced milks and grass-fed and organically derived dairy. Here's where the Dairy Council, the dairy industry, and our own government forgot to mention when advertising conventional dairy doing a body good, and I put that in air quotes. Conventional dairy cows live in environments that are not conducive to health. They live in cramped, sunless, indoor, and grassless stalls. So let's talk about what goes into the milk that your kid is eating and drinking that is from a conventional dairy cow. Let's start with growth hormones, many of which were actually banned in many countries. Some of these are still used in the U.S., like DES, which was a medication given to pregnant women until it was banned in the 1970s because of its severe disruption in the endocrine system and its link to breast cancer development. And yes, these hormones are still given to dairy cows today. 
To increase milk production, cows have also been bred to produce higher levels of insulin-like growth factors, which is actually passed to our babies when they drink that milk. And because conventional dairy cows are pregnant for most of the time they are milked, they also have unnatural levels of prostaglandins, estrogens, and other hormones in milk, something that you didn't expect your child to be drinking when you're trying to do a body good. So what else is the implication to our kids long term? The age of puberty, predominantly female puberty, has been decreasing in Western cultures for over many decades now. For example, at the turn of the 20th century, the average age of an American girl to get her period was about age 16 or 17. Today, that number has decreased to 12 or 13, meaning the American Academy of Pediatrics now says that the average age of menarche, the average age of a female in the U.S. to get her menses or to, to first get her period is around age 12 to 13. And instead, it used to be 16 and 17. So, yes, that's the average age now. But does that mean that this is normal for the decline of the average age of our children and our girls to go through puberty? Boys, too, are affected Boys now begin puberty around age 10. Previously, it was 11 years of age where boys began to have puberty. I would actually say that this is a crisis. The next reason to avoid conventional dairy is antibiotics. Can you believe, moms and dads, that almost all antibiotics in the U.S., about 80%, are fed to farm animals? And it is well known that overuse and misuse of antibiotics in food animals is a big reason why there's so much antibiotic-resistant bacteria that is now affecting humans, leading to things like infections that are really difficult to treat and sometimes even impossible to cure. Now, that's a well-known problem, but a less-known problem is that ingesting the antibiotics, even from cow's milk that were given antibiotics, unnecessarily will lead to microbiome disturbances in a child's gut and skin. You will hear me say over and over again that healing the gut, restoring a healthy and diverse microbiome, and healing and sealing the gut lining is the first, most crucial, and fundamental step in root cause eczema reversal. Why add to this problem? Conventional dairy also has significant implications to our environment. In many parts of the world, including in the U.S., GMO crops like soy and corn are grown just to feed it to our conventionally raised farm animals, like conventional cows. In fact, about 90% of genetically modified soybeans are fed to farm animals. The problem with GMO crops, one of the problems, is that they have very shallow roots that are depleting topsoil faster than the earth can replenish it. On the other hand, grass often has deep roots, which help draw the nutrients up into the topsoil and replenish it. And many of us already know about the importance of avoiding pesticides and herbicides in our produce. But what about pesticides and herbicides in conventional dairy? Conventional dairy cows are often fed crops that have been genetically engineered to resist the spraying of herbicides. So the use of these chemicals has gone way up in the recent years. Residues from herbicides are ending up in our food and our water supply. And include, that includes inside the food of our dairy cows. The primary ingredient in Roundup, for example, glyphosate, has been found in the breast milk of lactating women. This suggests that glyphosates eaten by cows in their food also ends up in their milk, and therefore in our kids' cup of nightly milk. 
By the way, I'll be doing a deep dive on glyphosates and the eczema link in our next episode, so tune in. So those are the problems known to plague conventional dairy, and it gets really even more interesting. Let's take a look at conventional dairy's nutritional value and whether or not it's worth the cost. Most conventional cows aren't fed diets that produce the healthiest milk. When you have a child who eats a diet with tons of corn, that leads to unhealthy amounts of omega-6 fatty acids, which carries over into milk when you give a cow tons of corn that produces milk with a ton of omega-6 fatty acids. Having excessive amounts of omega-6 polyunsaturated fatty acids and a very high omega-6 to omega-3 ratio promotes the development of cardiovascular disease, cancer, inflammation, and autoimmune disease. What about calcium and vitamin D? What about bone health? The central reason behind the U.S. recommending high intake of milk for kids is to grow strong bones and to meet a now disproven calcium requirement for healthy bones. We now know that countries with the highest intake of milk and calcium leads to the highest rates of hip fractures. So how much calcium does your child need? In the U.S., the recommended daily allowance or the RDA of calcium for a child between ages four to eight years is 1,000 milligrams per day. But in the United Kingdom, it's about half that. It's about 500 milligrams a day is, is considered adequate. And there is no worse increase in bone development, in increased risk of fractures. It's just that correlation doesn't exist. So much evidence-based studies point to the fact that kids don't need as much calcium as once believed. There is no evidence that high calcium intake is needed during childhood to serve as a bank for calcium throughout life. Evidence-based studies actually suggest a fairly low number of calcium intake is needed for kids to develop strong bones, above which a higher intake has very little additional effect on bone mineralization or bone strength. The recommendations, however, have not yet been changed, so I have to wonder why. By the way, does your conventionally raised dairy need to be fortified with calcium and vitamin D? Why is that? When you look at the back of a container of any conventional dairy in the U.S., it always says calcium and vitamin D is added to that cow milk. Why is that? Because conventional cows are actually not able to produce their own calcium and vitamin D in adequate amounts. Commercial milk is fortified with synthetic vitamin D. Only cows who live outside in sunshine, they, who eat grass, who are pasture-raised, can actually produce enough vitamin D to make it healthy. Conventional dairy cows don't see sunshine. Their food is not grass-fed. Where in the world would they possibly get enough vitamin D? So where in the world would you be able to get vitamin D if you're reducing cow milk in your child's diet? Where in the world would you be able to get calcium? You could actually obtain really adequate amounts from other food sources or supplements without the potential negative consequences of conventional dairy foods. Uh, for calcium, you can try to eat, have your child instead eat things like chia seeds, sesame seeds or tahini, sardines, bone broths, greens like kale, collard, spinach, and uh, very delicious mustard greens and turnips. And this really blew me away. And I bet you didn't know this either. I had to actually look this up and measure it myself. There is nearly five times more calcium in chia seeds than in cow's milk when you're looking at it by weight, meaning 100 grams of chia seeds has about 600 milligrams of calcium. 
and 100 grams of cow milk has 125 milligrams of calcium. And even more surprising is that there is nearly eight times more calcium in sesame seeds than in cow's milk, which is mind-blowing. And so one way to incorporate a large amount of calcium and to make sure that your child is getting a good amount of calcium, if, if you're eliminating dairy for some time or reducing it, is to take sesame seeds, grind it up into tahini. And then instead of using things like peanut butter or other sun butters, you can use that as a spread. It also makes for a delicious dressing. For vitamin D, sunshine and supplements can provide adequate intake as far at a far lower cost than fortified milk. Keep in mind that this problem only relates to conventional dairy. Pasture-raised organic dairy typically doesn't need to be fortified with any extra synthetic vitamins or, or supplements. What else can you drink instead of dairy? High-quality dairy is the answer. Pasture-raised, full-fat, non-homogenized, and minimally processed dairy is what your child can be drinking. There are also different sorts of dairy cows out there that produce milk, mainly A1 and A2 dairy. Let's do a little bit review on what those are. The main difference between A1 dairy, which is regular conventional dairy, and A2 dairy lies within the cow's milk, cow milk within the milk's protein. All milk is made up of water and solids. The solid components within milk within the milk are things like lactose, which are the milk sugars, fats, minerals, and proteins. Casein is the main protein found in milk, and the type of casein present is what sets the A2 milk apart from ordinary cow's milk. There are two different types of beta caseins, right? A1 and A2. Most cow milk available in grocery store shelves contain a combination of A1 and A2 beta casein proteins. A2 milk comes from cows that only produce A2 protein and no A1, and the main difference between these two proteins is how it's digested. A2 milk is so much easier to digest and absorb. You just get a lot more bang for your buck. Another consideration is how do you choose between skim milk, low-fat milk, and whole milk? Did you know that whole milk is actually not even whole? Whole milk is about 3.25% fat, but milk is actually 8.5% fat when it comes straight from the cow. Why are we removing all the fat from the milk, diluting it, and putting it back into the dairy to standardize it and render it more marketable as good for cholesterol, the amount of fat in milk is actually inversely proportional to the amount of lactose. So skim milk has the most milk sugar. And the farther away you venture from nature, the more harmful it will be to your health. Skim milk, low-fat milk, and even conventional whole milk is very, very processed to create a product that is standardized and touted as extremely nutritious and good for you when removing the fat. But we all know now that fat is removal is actually one of the biggest culprits for our obesity epidemic and the epidemic of chronic childhood illness today. For kids who have eczema and digestive issues, consider this. Dairy intolerances can also lead to inflammation in a child who's already inflamed with eczema. I want to mention two different kinds of intolerances to dairy. One is lactose intolerance, which you might have heard of, and it's quite common. In fact, about 75% of the world's population is lactose intolerant. In a lactose intolerant person, some symptoms are things like gas, belching, bloating, pain, cramping, and diarrhea, and that usually happens after drinking nut milk. 
And that's easy to identify. But children can also have casein or whey intolerances, which can cause a lot of inflammation, and the symptoms are not as obvious. And casein or whey reaction occurs when the body's immune system mistakenly deems casein a toxin and as a result produces antibodies to protect the gut. It is this inflammation caused by reactive proteins and the antibodies which results in symptoms like rashes, eczema, wheezing, or allergy symptoms. So now that you know that there are tons of risks associated with conventional dairy, what do you do with all this information? If you choose to remove dairy from your child's diet for some time, talk to your doctor first. Now here's my little disclaimer. Moms and dads, while I make every effort to present to you the most evidence-based, correct, and up-to-date information, I am always learning. In fact, medicine is constantly changing intersection between art and science, and I'm simply presenting to you my views on how to approach incorporating dairy into your child's and family's life. I welcome all the comments and suggestions and corrections of errors. Please send them my way. This podcast is not meant to be medical advice. It is not intended to diagnose or treat any medical condition for anybody in either yourself or others or your child. So please always consult your own physician for any medical issues that you or your child might be having. So back to the good stuff. If you choose to remove dairy from your child's life for some period of time to offload the system or perhaps test to see if there's an allergy. This is how you do it. One way to do it is very slowly. Great. Another way to do it is cold turkey. Just stop today and never look back. The third way to do that is one of my favorite hints in how to remove dairy from a child's diet. And it actually almost always works. It is to, if you have a child who's over age one and you're trying to wean them from the comfort of having their bottle, let's say, And before sleeping, before bedtime, they're used to drinking their dairy from a bottle. They love it. It helps them fall asleep. One way to gently wean it is to do it by diluting it with water over the course of, let's say, a week. So, for example, if you have a child who drinks six ounces of milk before bed, you can take uh, five ounces of milk and add one ounce of water one day. The next day, take four ounces of milk and add two ounces of water and so on until it's almost completely water. And what happens is your child is just not going to be interested in consuming those calories for comfort, but it's done in a very gentle way where they probably won't even notice because you're going really slowly so that there is no shock to the system and uh, no one is stressed out. That's actually the goal. No stress. Breastfed babies, if you're a mom who is breastfeeding um, your child and you want to think about maybe eliminating dairy from your child's diet, then you need to be eliminating it yourself. If you're going to eliminate dairy, please be mindful of all the hidden dairy sources out there. Think about all those frozen desserts. Even gelato is very much, very often dairy-based. Whey protein powders are dairy-based. Things like hot chocolate powders, things like cheesy snacks, even corn chips have dairy in it, dairy components. Dairy milk chocolate bars, crackers, spice mixes often contain whey powder as a thickener. Actually, most processed foods, deli meats, and even 
meals prepared in restaurants have dairy, especially meals prepared in restaurants, you have to ask if there's any extra butter because that's like the main ingredient that makes a lot of the food delicious. By the way, ghee, which is clarified butter, that's spelled G-H-E-E, is not considered dairy and it's one of the healthiest ways to heal and seal the gut lining for our little ones. So here's the biggest question that you might have. What about dairy alternatives? It's actually one of the biggest questions that I get asked. And to answer that question, I would like for you to ask yourself, why are you replacing dairy? Is it for comfort? Is it for your child's calories? Is it for nutrients? And what do you plan on replacing it with? Do you plan on replacing it with plant milk, nut milk, pea protein milk? There are so many options out there today, aren't there? Most of these replacement dairy alternatives are laden with dangerous ingredients like extra sugar, thickeners like gums, carnegian, polysorbates, AD is another one, mono and diglycerides. Please, moms and dads, read your ingredients. And if you're looking to get a really clean, milky product into your child's life instead of cow's milk, look to make your own. And I am a busy mom like many of you parents, and I'm a big fan of creating ways to simplify life. (laughs) And one way is to make my own hot milk because it's so nutritious for a grown child and it takes only one minute. So check out my two ingredient, one minute recipe for hemp milk on blossompediatrics.com, which is my website. Again, if you choose to eliminate dairy for some time from your child's diet, always ask your pediatrician first to make sure your child is getting adequate calories, nutrients, calcium, and vitamin D from other sources. So let's say you've eliminated dairy for four weeks and your child is better. Congratulations. Now you have a choice to make at this stage. You can continue on this path, which I recommend doing for a few more months if you'd like, or you can start reintroduction of dairy. Make sure when you reintroduce something, you are actually allowed these foods. They're not foods that your pediatrician or allergist or dermatologist said to avoid because of an allergy. So some of you have kids who are really allergic to milk, and that means that they should never really be restarted on it without your own doctors saying, please go ahead and restart it. And they might do their own protocol for that. But for those of you who have no true allergy to dairy, you reintroduce dairy very, very slowly and you do it by first introducing goat milk, then sheep milk, and then cow milk products. When you introduce cow milk, you have to make sure, and this is the most important part of this podcast, make sure that you choose cow milk that is pasture-raised. Pasture-raised means 100% grass-fed. You want to choose dairy that is full fat that is unhomogenized, or another word for that is cream line, where you could take the cream uh, from the top if you're just not loving it or shake the bottle gently to distribute it, but we want it to be non-homogenized. We want to avoid ultra-pasteurized or ultra-heat treated. We don't want the dairy to be completely blasted into something that does not resemble any kind of nutrient that your body, that a body can possibly recognize. Now, I'm not saying go buy raw milk. It comes with its own risk factors. It's actually illegal in many states to buy raw milk, but ultra-pasteurized and just pasteurized are two different things. Ultra-pasteurization not only destroys all the microbes, the good and the beneficial and the pathogenic ones, but also destroys all the nutrients. And I truly, truly believe that. 
You want to uh, stick with dairy that is fermented to optimize probiotics and digestibility. It's easier to digest. So ferments of dairy are things like kefir and yogurt and cultured butter. Those ferments have probiotics. It is, again, I'm going to repeat myself here, but this is one of the best sources of probiotics. It's much more potent than any supplement that you can possibly find in a store. And you want to stick to dairy that is organic, meaning that any extra feed that was given to that animal was not treated with antibiotics or hormones and was not a kind of feed that has a ton of, of GMOs in it. And you want to stick to A2 Jersey cow milk or A2 or Jersey cow milk because it's a lot easier to digest. So my final words are, are this. Even as a well-trained pediatrician, I found myself shocked when I discovered that the foods like milk that were touted as healthy were just a gimmick many, many times. It was a really hard story to understand, and it was just half the story. And now you know that there is a big difference between high-quality dairy, which is healing, and conventional dairy, which is harmful. So my advice to you moms and dads is to continue to get educated, continue to get empowered, and continue to take small steps to help your child transform eczema from the inside out. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Moms and dads, thank you so much for listening. This episode was sponsored by the Eczema Rescue Program, which is a live, fully supported, and comprehensive program designed to conquer itch, transform skin, and finally end sleepless nights. Looking to connect? Be sure to head over to the Eczema Rescue Club, where you can connect with me and the tribe of empowered parents who are working to rescue their child from eczema. Please pay the love forward and share this with someone who can get value and much-needed relief from this knowledge. All right, moms and dads, see you in the next episode.